As an industry, we've been witness to incredible achievements made by some of the most acclaimed names in the industry. But as established names rise to the top, new, inexperienced voices step up to make their voices heard. Welcome to Dev Diary Next Gen, the Dev Diary spin-off series that highlights the next generation of talent coming through in the games industry. My name is Paul James, and today I'm joined by Daisy Chan, and here's her journey so far. This episode of Dev Diary Next Gen has been available for a little while now on the Dev Diary Podcast Patreon feed. So please check out the show notes, get all the details there, consider throwing a few bucks for the price of a coffee, one for the entire month. You will get access to Dev Diary Next Gen the moment it goes live, as well as early access to the normal episodes of the show as well, whenever possible. So go check out the Patreon, consider pledging a little bit of support, you'll help grow the show even further. I really appreciate it and enjoy the show. So today on our second episode of Dev Diary Next Gen, I'm joined by Daisy Chen. How are you? Yeah, I'm good today. Yeah. It's, it's fantastic to have you aboard and I'm, I'm keen to dive into your story and, and learn about how video games kind of entered your life. So thank you so much for coming on the show. Yeah, hi. So I guess we'll, we'll, we'll begin, I guess, in that exact style and that exact fashion and talk about, I guess, where did video games first enter your life? Do you recall what some of the first video games were that you that you played or discovered? I think I have remembered that I saw Dreamcast. Yep. Because my uncle was big fan of like video games basically. Yep. And um so I grew up like uh, I was like most of the time I was in my uncle's place because my parents was going to work. Oh yeah. And okay. yeah, so um and my uncle has a lot of video games there, and I was like seeing a lot of like um, Dreamcast, Nintendo sixty four, which I think like a lot of people at my age like never seen one of those before. Oh really? The the sixty four specifically, not many people saw. No, I mean like as in, because I was from in uh, I was from Hong Kong, and then yep. like I don't think like video games were that much of a big deal at that oh, yeah, age, and like Asian parents, so um, yeah, they pretty much restrict you on playing video games. <laughs> Yeah, right, that makes sense. Uh, what were some of the first games you came across when you were playing either the Dreamcast or the, the 64? Uh, I don't, rem- don't remember much about Dreamcast, but I remember, like, I played a lot of my Mario games in, like, the Nintendo 64 and really enjoyed it, the party games over there. Oh, yeah, like the, the Mario parties and games like that? Yeah. <laughs> there, there were some fantastic ones there. Did you go through too many controls with the likes of Mario Party, destroying the the stick with some of those uh, tug of war no, games and the like? I did. Oh, you were better than me then. I was fairly yeah. ill disciplined, and I think um, got a little yeah. too enthusiastic and destroyed a few of those sticks. Um, so how did how did your taste in games evolve from there? Once you got that early exposure, and obviously the Nintendo sixty four in particular had some amazing games at that yeah. time. How did your taste start to evolve? Were there any particular genres that you really gravitated towards and and enjoyed or or particular franchises uh, obviously you touched on mario a moment ago yeah. as, a, as a starting point yeah um i don't think i particularly stay on one like genre because like i was just playing whatever my uncle has yeah um yeah so i play a lot of different games and i was like yeah basically mario games in like nintendo's uh any nintendo consoles and um and I actually have a lot of consoles after that for some reasons. I don't know why my parents didn't restrict me on it, <laughs> but yeah. The, um, um, yeah, you always hear these stories about about the the restrictions that parents put on 
on their kids when it comes to games. So not yeah. necessarily unusual. Um, I was like, I was actually having like PSP and like Game Boy and I think like NDS and I should have a lot like we. <laughs> you didn't miss too much then after sixty four. You you. No, I did not. I fell only in love don't with have quickly. Xbox so far. Yeah. Uh, and who but knows, then, maybe that's an opportunity in the future. Maybe. Like, I do want to try it, but, like, yeah, I just don't want to buy too much console in my, like, place right now. Yeah. There's only so much time in the day, right? Yeah. Um, but, yeah, so I started from, like, Nintendo, like, basically any Nintendo games. And then I I did actually play um, on PC games, like, back in the days. And then I was playing World of Warcraft. Yep. And I was also playing Oh my god, what's the name of it? Age of Empires. Oh, one of the best. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I really like it. And um it was like a fun thing that like we do with my family that my dad and my uncles, like my like two other uncles will join us and then we will have a LAN party at my place. Did it get really competitive? Home. At that point, amongst the family? Oh, yeah. <laughs> a bit. Brings um, out the best and worst sometimes. Yeah, and I was just like, probably... I don't think I'm even 10. I don't know how old am I. Like, it was like really young age and I'm like exposed to like pretty much like a bit more hardcore, hardcore games. Yeah, I suppose World of Warcraft was early 2000s. <laughs> I certainly think about... Um, and we, you were still in Hong Kong at the time? Yeah. At that yeah. point, yeah. So, I mean, I've... Over here, Age of Empires came into my life because it was packed inside a cereal box. It was it was, was it? inside Nutrigrain Nutrigrain cereal, and you'd buy it. And there was uh, it was there was Age of Empires, and there was a few others, but no one. Sorry to those games, no one really remembers what those were. I don't think. And if someone watch uh, listening to the show does recall what some of those other games were, please feel free to let me know. But um, uh, yeah, Age of Empires was one of them, and so I'd pop it in my PC, which wasn't very good. Um, but I'd pop in the PC and tried and fell absolutely in love with Age of Empires and then uh, everyone else was going and buying the same cereal so they'd get their copy and then we'd all be going down a similar sort of path where everyone's trying to compete um, I wasn't so in the deep end on the PC side of things that I would get involved in LAN parties but um, yeah. but plenty of other friends did and and I'd just be stunned by what I was by what I was watching at kind of the level and how competitive they'd all get and yeah incredibly impressed and I that's a good starting point too yeah, and I remember days that like your PC can basically just like frozen there because like you have way too many like cannons over there, and then you just like look at it. It's like okay, I'm being patient. Did you ever, especially when it comes to Age of Empires, did you ever engage in some of the cheats that were available, the the different I... passwords? That, you know, unlocked. I can't remember what the code was, but the one that got you the it was like a sports car. I can't remember which Age of Empires that was, but and it would just tear through the. The opposition with ease. I never actually like try anything like cheat codes and stuff. So it's like Good. I I don't I was actually knowing about this like probably like a few years back then. Yeah. Um, because I started playing Age of Vampires again and I was playing with my friends and they were saying like, Hey, do you know how to like do you want to play cheat codes? I was like, wait, there's a cheat codes? <laughs> Oh really? Well, that that's all right. You had no idea, and it made it a really pure experience. So that's that's awesome. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, how did um, I get? I guess there's there's always the consuming video game side, and enjoying those. 
how did it go from the consumption to potentially considering actually entering the industry? How did was there a particular game or collection of experiences that inspired you to actually pursue getting into the development scene? I don't think there's particularly anything that really inspired me to go into the industry, but I'm just like uh, I was like starting from like learning design, and I really liked um, like design in general, and then I I was like after I finished my um, associate degree in Hong Kong. I was like, eh, I should probably try to, you know, like do something else. And um, actually, it was the fact is just that I can't get into like the Hong Kong's like all these like universities in in Hong Kong. Right. So. And why is that? Sorry, if 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 I might ask. Um, it's just too competitive. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So yeah, we just have like probably eight, if I'm correct. I'm like very fussy on it. About um, eight different universities, you mean? Yeah, in yeah. Hong Kong, and then it's just, and then we have probably like uh, I don't know how many students we have exactly, but not but enough like, for the population. Yeah, it's not enough. So not not everyone can get into universities, and I really want to get a bachelor degree. So I was like thinking about like going to somewhere else to get a bachelor degree. Um, I wasn't actually having a bad G- uh, GPA as well, so I was like, yeah, yeah. I sh- yeah, I should go somewhere else trying to pursue for like something. Um, and then I went to Australia because um, I was token into um, the games deg- uh, degree. Yep. Yeah, and yeah, I was like having like few other choices, but then like I was like thinking like I want to do UI and UX design, but I just but I also want to explore in other areas. Yes. So um yeah so end up I was just like thinking hmm, maybe I can try doing like UI UX maybe in games and trying like different field um so yeah and then I came to Australia probably like five how many years ago now <laughs> I don't time remember. flies right there's been a pandemic in the middle too which doesn't help yeah um probably six years ago yeah right yeah um and I guess you obviously mentioned there was a few different places that you at least considered what was it about Australia in the end that proved to be the the right choice for you or or I guess more specifically Victoria as well um I actually asked a few friends about like hey where should I go because everyone is actually going overseas to studies um and I think like I tried to look up for um maybe where's the places to go to for like uh, during like a game design course and it's always come with like probably the US, and yeah. then like um, and someone was talk, uh, telling me that Australia is pretty good as well. So I was like, okay, I look into Australia, but because I don't really want to go to US, um, yeah. because like that means that I can't basically can't talk to my parents because like, uh, when I'm awake, they probably still sleep. Yeah, the time zones don't marry yeah. up overly well. Yeah, so that's the reasons behind it, and my parents didn't really want me to go to US as well. Um, yeah, and you know, there's there's a myriad of different reasons why that uh, why I don't blame anyone for for feeling that way when it comes to the United States. I hate to for any of our US listeners. I'm sorry. Um, it's I think it's what you constantly hear about. For me personally, it's always the uh, the guns conversation that tends to come up that it always just makes yeah. me a bit anxious about the country. I don't know if that was what your parents were feeling at the time as well. But yeah, um, that's my parents. Like think about like ugh, I don't guns and stuff. <laughs> they were worried. They were just basically worried about it. I mean, like. 
I don't know, maybe sometimes I will go to US to, you know, take a look. <laughs> Yeah, there was for me. It was always the, there was always the the interest in going to the US, and every single time, I went, okay, like I feel like I I could do this again. That unfortunately be a school shooting, and my interest just disappeared, evap- completely evaporated again. And I, no, no, can't do that. It's just it was always a bit of bad timing. Um, yeah. But maybe one day, maybe one day, we'll see. We'll yeah. see how it goes. Um, and so obviously, yeah, you, you came down here and and st- uh, got into the got into the uh, into the, the course and you got started and how did things kind of uh, build up from there um i was pretty much don't know what i was doing um after like during the, basically during the covid period because like you you can't talk to anyone yeah um i was just like looking around like in this course servers um trying to talk to some industry people over there and basically try to grab like any opportunities i can see and then yeah and i just end up like into this math program yeah which is which is fantastic we'll obviously dive into your experiences with that shortly but um yeah i guess covid would be one of those really tricky things especially if you were completing the studies at the time because one of the one of the best parts about this this australian game development scene it's obviously very indie based for the most part there's not a lot of large there's a few and you know a few more kind of on the way but for the most part, it's really indie-centric and not so much AAA. And so obviously one of the great things about this industry, but especially the indie scene, is the networking and the socialising and the, and the and the building out those those groups and communities through meetups yeah. and and all the sorts of things that really go on in this industry. And when COVID comes along and kind of nipped a lot of that in the bud and you're still studying, it really curtails those, those opportunities yeah. to network and meet. So I'd imagine it definitely brought about its challenges. Yeah, it was good that like the community is is actually really supportive in here. So it's like always like you talk to someone and someone will try to introduce you to someone else, and so end up like you're just meeting the like other people that you probably afraid to talk to. Yeah, because like you may be thinking that like oh they're like the higher ups from the company. Yeah, they're not gonna have time for me. Yeah. Which but they like, always do. It's amazing. Yeah, which is which is really good. <laughs> and I guess to to be fair to other regions around the world too, they game developers everywhere seem to be fantastic like that. We'll always be able to carve out at least a few minutes for for anyone really. But extra praise to the the Australian and Victorian scene specifically. There's just been amazing for years. And and I'm I'm speaking as someone who's media and not and not actually in the the game development scene whatsoever but gets to gets to run this show and has chatted to more than 100 people for this show over the years and everyone has just been so gracious and so good with their time and is always willing as you kind of touched on there steer me towards other people that might be great for the show or that'd be great for me to meet and those sorts of things and i'm just so thankful for those individuals along the way and yeah the the victorian scene in particular has been been awesome that might be a little bit i might be a little bit biased as a as a victorian but um they're amazing. So I'm, gl- I'm glad that you've been able to encounter all the same sorts of people and they've been so good to you as well. Yeah. And so the SMART program that we obviously touched on, um, how, how did that all come about for you? And uh, I, was, I was talking to uh, another recipient yesterday, Alex Beatty, yeah. um, who's obviously, and, and I'll be chatting to several others as well that are, that are all recipients of uh, and opportunities of the, the SMART program. So what does that mean to you get that, to get that opportunity and... Um, I guess let's share with the with where the listeners where you'll be doing some of your work for the next little while. Um, 
I was just like, um, I mean, like we basically just started out, and um, I'm still trying to like get a hang on like everything with the spot program. Like, I believe that they um they said there will be some, maybe like some like other mentors will be like probably helping us. Yep. Like in achieving whatever like we whatever our goal is. And um, for me, I'm trying to work on a title that um, I've been working on the last two years, actually. Oh, please tell us all about it. <laughs> yeah, so um, I started it as a game jam with like some of our friends, uh, some of my friends. I mean, um, and and we were just like submitted it to the um, game jams. I don't know what they call like organizations and yeah, then yeah. like and then they were just um we received a bit of feedback just saying that like oh the mechanics is really cool and so we just decided to work on it like after the submission and then we were like we were in and out a bit because uh we didn't have the time and we we're all trying to like get a job or something and yeah, and so like we're just like slowly developing it like for the last two years, and we almost finished like the prototype. Awesome. But yeah, but like there's still more stuff that we keep on wanting to add into it. We're trying to like figure out like how we should do some of the things, and and yeah, but yeah. So what's the game is about? <laughs> um, is that like um, it's a uh, twin stick action roguelike where you play as Ace a dog magician when you teleport from a modern time into a feline federal Japan period. And yep. um yeah, and then you'll have like a and you wield magic cards with boomerang mechanics and magic tricks to try to attack and deceive and maybe escape and try to find your way home. That all sounds really appealing to I mean you had to be fair, you had me immediately when you said twin stick because that is so far up my alley. I love a good twin stick shooting style games so um you had my my interest immediately and hopefully several others that are listening to the show as well um and so what are some of the challenges that you faced as you as you're working through that project as you said it's been a couple of years and you managed to get some feedback through some of the game jams as well yeah what have been some of the challenges as you've been developing that and still studying and the, i mean you're obviously spinning a few different plates at the same time they're trying to do your own work so what has that been like for you um it's been really difficult because you're not meeting your basically your teammates like in person yeah. and things can get like um how do I describe it? Just a little bit of a disconnect sometimes between people and what people are doing. Yeah, or miscommunicate a lot of times. Yeah. We were like setting back a few times, like because we we only write like one sentence before everyone will understand what it means. Yeah, right. Like to describe like this particular mechanics and then it just doesn't work. And so we're still like um, we've been like trying different methods like maybe like drawing diagrams or yep. maybe even drawing out some like moveset things to like help just to get like people know with like visuals and and words and whatever we can do yeah and, um, yeah and also it's just like try to match each other's timeline is also pretty much difficult yeah especially when there's a remote component to the whole thing as well Yes, and because uh, 
half of my friends was actually from other countries because I, I was an international student. Yeah. And so I'm mostly associated with international students as well. So um, that just become a problem in a way that like we actually can't meet each other sometimes. Like, it's like unless like they come back like to Australia. Yeah. Yeah. So what are some of the other parts of the world that you're trying to sync up with time-wise at the moment? Oh, um, I think most of them are from Malaysia, so it's just like a few hours. Oh, it's a couple hours, yeah. Yeah, but it's still like, they can sometimes just be like, hey, we have like a meeting at 3 p.m. in Australia, like in, in Melbourne time. Yeah. And then they like, and then I'll just write like, hey, meeting at 3 p.m. And then they thought it would be like their 3 p.m. Oh, their 3 p.m. Yeah, <laughs> so just like, causes a lot of confusion yeah, yeah I, I can i can totally understand that um uh i guess it's not been a, a working sort of relationship but my parents have spent the bulk of the last 10 years moving to different spots around the world for for my dad's work and we have those exact lapses from time to time where we say oh yeah this time and then we don't realize afterwards that hang on are we talking about your time or my time and then my phone rings at 2 a.m in the morning or something like that and i'm <laughs> completely you know and because it's 8 p.m in or 6 p.m in london or something like that like it's 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 been messy so i can totally understand and relate on a far smaller degree but to that exact scenario that you were talking about so it brings about its challenges but i'm sure it's incredibly rewarding as well to be able to make something like that despite some of the challenges that are posed to you and the team as well yeah um and so the smart program itself now obviously we're like we're right at the beginning of this period now um am i right uh, from what alex was saying yesterday am i right that all of you going to be working with samurai punk over over this upcoming period is that is that how that's working Uh, alex was alex was talking about that in his case but i don't know if that's applicable for everyone or whether people are doing lots of different things and working with different mentors um i'm actually not quite sure like we only heard about that like um we'll be working like some of the samurai punks like um people will be maybe helping us like mentoring us and there, but I think there might be more than just the Samurai Punk. Yeah, itself. okay, that's so, awesome. Yeah. I mean, as we've touched on a few times, there's so many talented people here in, in the States uh, and a lot of incredible studios doing lots of really amazing things. So to work with the Samurai Punk team or uh, now I'm being cautious here because I don't want to leave anyone out, but you know, whether we talk about League of Geeks or any of the other amazing developers that we've got in this state that are well yeah. and truly entrenched and established, I think regardless of who you, you're going to find yourself working with, you're going to be paired up with someone really amazing. So I'm really excited for you and, and everyone else as well. <laughs> Thank you. Um, and so obviously you were talking before that you've, you know, there's been some UI and UX work that you're doing. You're obviously working on your own projects as well. Um, I guess regardless of who you are or are not partnered up with throughout this period, is there anything that you're really hoping to achieve from, from your time with the SMART program? Um, on that personal right. level, of course. Yeah. Um, so basically, we're trying to, in a way, we're we're doing like a lot of documents because we want to, um, we want to apply for fundings. We we have been like working on this for two years, just at home ourselves. Yeah, of course. And so we need to pay us, pay ourselves on it. And so we're trying to get fundings on it. And through fixed um, screen, would that be right? Yeah, yeah. fixed screen. Yeah, and we might we will be looking into other um things maybe like um screen australia yep and i think there's also other like fundings yeah, there are other grants but, out there yeah. yeah 
So I'm just looking into it as well. But like for now, it's just like fixed screen. And we're actually working really hard for probably for the last three months trying to figure out how to write everything. That's that's fair. Yeah, it's they're pretty extensive processes and pitches that you've got to go through, but they are amazing over there. So hopefully that does all work out for for you yeah. and the team once once everything is submitted and and you go through that process. But, yeah, yeah. Everyone who I've dealt with that's that's been involved there at various different stages, they are there now, and and some of the others that have moved on have all been genuinely amazing. So hopefully they all see see the brilliance and what even you've just described for me with again the the twin that, that top level the twin stick you had me instantly solved with that but then all those other aspects that were laid on top of it sounds really really fascinating to me um obviously this this project has been in the works for a little while if if there's anyone listening that's kind of curious is there anything documented about that work anywhere that people can go and check out whether there's little demo videos or anything like that that people have been able to or could possibly take a look at um, because we did submit the to the game gems, it's actually in each um, oh, okay. for the early prototype. Yeah, um, it's definitely not up to date because we've oh, been <laughs> we've been doing a lot of things. Um, yeah, so there's never on... there's never a dull moment in video games. You're always iterating and building <laughs> on things, so I completely understand that. Yeah, and uh, so it's on each, and we do have like a three D account for it as well we try to post it for a while but i i stopped posting anything because we don't have anything else that officially is appealing or like yeah i don't want to get into too technical stuff that we have done um and it's probably not like good as in like you're doing an early prototype and people look into your like source code basically yeah understood yeah yeah there's there's certainly challenges with kind of the state of different games and what you can and can't show and what's what's going to be good to show versus what might be detrimental to show despite the fact that it might actually be in a pretty good place. So I, can, I completely understand that. Um, you did say, obviously, there's there's Twitter accounts and those sort of things people can check out. Do you mind just quickly shouting those out so people can go have a look at what is there? Uh, yeah. Um, so the name is called Cart Retrieve and you can just like, yeah, in, in Twitter, it's also called Cart Retrieve. Awesome. Um, so I implore people to go check that one out, of course, um, and we'll make sure that's in the show notes as well for you to, for you to go and find there. Also, um, so we're, we're getting kind of close to the end of the show at this particular point, and I really, really appreciate all the time that you've given me so far. So a couple couple little things just to, to, to wrap things up. Um, is there anyone that, I guess, you are at kind of the beginning or the earlier stages of this journey into game development. Is there anyone that, through the games that you've played over the years or maybe interactions that you've even had with them, is there anyone that you've looked at that really serves as a great inspiration for you and the way you go about your work or that you're endeavoring to emulate in some ways do you guys seem like uh, any games that we use as some reference well or... i mean yeah, i mean obviously there's there's that component as well that might be really influential but even some of the some of the individual people as well is there anyone that you've had the opportunity to work with or that you just look at from afar i mean the number of people that i've that i've spoken to over the years for example that might be making something that's kind of RPGs, and so they'll talk about like a Todd Howard or someone like that who's been, you know, doing these immense worlds for years and years. Is there are there any individuals like that that have really that kind of, I guess, inspire the path that you're trying to go down personally, as well as the direction of the game? I don't think myself as I don't think so. No, that's okay. About that, um, I mean, like, I always, like, try, uh, I always, like, like to play, like, a lot of different games, like, really, like, a wide range of genre. Cool. 
right. And so I don't really have a particular person or like particular developer that I would look into. Um, yeah, but no, um, that's fine. but I mean, like I've been getting a lot of help right from the industry people so far. So I guess <laughs> the, yeah, those obviously. are the people that it's inspiring me. Like, or maybe like it's just. Pushing my back a bit, like to hey, just push, uh, just keep on working on this. You're doing great, and yeah, I really like them how they're supporting me in in that way. Cause I'm always being like, um, I always feel like I'm not confident in the game or in myself in general. Yeah. So that that just help. <laughs> so to have those voices in your corner can really really help motivate and push you along. Yes. And again, we've—I mean—we've said it so many times, and I'll keep saying it. And people will probably get sick of me at some point. But this Melbourne scene is amazing, so it's great to have so many awesome people there behind you, cheering you on in a way. Yeah. Um, what have been some of the the, the greatest lessons that you've learned so far? It is very early days, but is there anything that you've really that's been really really important to you, and the way you've kind of maybe adjusted some of your work because of those learnings? Um. I try to actually look into a lot of um, YouTube videos about um, basically documenting your games. Yep. <laughs> um, because, I mean, it's not like um, it's basically like we just like to work on the games and we don't like to document anything about it because it's like when you're writing it and when you're trying to working on a game, it's like two different things. Absolutely. Yeah. So like. Um, I look into a lot of GDC's um, videos online in YouTube, and and it's really like good because got because they have like a lot of contents that actually helps you on um, uh, skill up on yep. basically any areas. Like um, I've looked at a, like a lot of things about um, narrative design and. They also talk about like how to be a producers, and they basically have all the fundamentals and like even a bit more advanced um things in there just to help you out in your way to try to achieve what you whatever you want to do. And it's always like good to, um, maybe try to attend like some also like other uh seminars or yep. like the uh, I think like there's one coming up in September which is is it October or September for like the uh, Melbourne's Games Week oh like GCAP and those sorts of opportunities yeah yeah so like yeah October yeah so those are the um, things that will really be helpful like just you know if you're trying to um, get some help basically of course yeah Yeah. again it brings all those people together so there's just this huge font of knowledge right there and available so GCAP is one of those amazing opportunities that if uh, if you someone listening here is like an aspiring game developer, absolutely try and find a way to to attend GCAP because it'll be really really valuable and help build up some of those skill sets. But I'm also thrilled that you touched on yeah that documentation side because it's something that through more than a hundred episodes of this show so far, no one has really spoken about the documentation process. But it is a it's a really important one, um, and I'd imagine even more so when you are working kind of remotely with different time zones, having that documentation in place for someone to pick up and build upon is is huge. Yeah, um, because we have the problems um, before where um, we're trying to some of some other friends 
um, was trying to help us out on like building a particular area of the game and they just don't know what we are talking about for the whole yeah. time and i'm just like like it's all in my head i really and i'm not like a native english speaker and they were and so yeah. i'm like it's like so difficult for me to even like trying to tell them what exactly try and express what you're yeah. thinking yeah, ex- when there's a little yeah. bit of a barrier there but also you're trying to explain something they haven't potentially seen either so. Yeah, so it's like I need to try to take some time to look into like just blank papers. Like, hey, I need to write this. Yeah. I really, like, really need to write this down somewhere. And then, so like when someone new is coming into the team, they could just read through that. And if they have any questions, and then they could just like ask us about it, like after they read through the documents. No, I definitely think there's something to be said for the documentation process anyway. And, and I'm sure there's a lot of studios that do it, but it's not something that necessarily gets spoken about a hell yeah. of a lot. And I think it's really, really important for obviously the reasons you touched on there with the, you know, there's some um, language differences and tr- and trying to, but, and trying to explain what's in your head, but also in this day and age where there is so much more remote work going on, people yeah. are kind of switching on and beginning their day at different points and, and you've progressed in the meantime and someone needs to be able to pick up what you were doing and build upon it. And if they're going to lose the first hour of their day just to trying to decipher what progress has been made since the last time that they logged on, that's, yeah. that's a waste of time. So through a pure efficiency lens, that's really, really important as well. So so I'm thrilled that you touched on that. It's, it's really awesome. Yeah, because um, I actually look into a lot of people saying that like some, like a lot of companies uh, a lot of studios or companies they actually do those and they were i think they call like game bible or something oh yeah 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 the game bible yeah yeah um yeah and i think i heard like um bethesda is also doing the same thing for like basically fallout like how you know logging like yeah. all those like massive world building they're doing for like <laughs> for all these fallout games and yeah so i'm like oh i should look into it <laughs> Yeah, I mean, everything I hear about the game Bibles, it's usually kind of this top level sort of idea and then the idea spin off. But I think if people are in a position to continue to build upon that, you can have that top level and then keep documenting from there. It's It can only be a good thing, I think, for efficiency of the team. Yeah. Yes, there's a little bit of time lost as you, you know, kind of compile all that was done. But I think it's really, really important. So um, so thanks so much for kind of sharing your, your thoughts on that. Um, some lighter, I guess, not hard not overly hard hitting questions to to wrap things up um and some more more on the fun side if you could be credited for any game that's ever existed so just add your name to the credits and say i like i was responsible for that is there a game that just you wish that you could have worked on whether it's your favorite game or something that maybe just did one particular aspect really really well that you love i guess maybe fallout I just oh, yeah. talk about Fallout, yeah. Um, yeah, I really like Fallout and like being like in a massive like open world and just walking around and like seeing, you know, like they have like so many side quests that I just really like to go into it and like stories and stuff. Yeah. It's like, ah, uh, that's the dream. It's a bit overwhelming too. Yeah. Um, I never finish uh, my Fallout games because of that. I was like, I'm just walking around. Too many just like, there's always ha- like things happens next. I mean, it's the same as in Breath of the Wild or like the news. Yeah, the news um, Kingdom. Kingdom. Yeah. It's just like so many distractions, and I just always went to the distractions, and yeah, I never, co- never completed any of those. It's just. 
it's just like it's so good that I want to be part of it. It's it's certainly one of those things that I, I can't help but wonder what some of these big studios, to so say a Bethesda, for example, with a Fallout or even you know like upcoming with Starfield or Elder Scrolls or whatever, or like a Nintendo with Zelda or Square Enix with Final Fantasy, whatever it happens to be, where they they're looking at their data and surely they're recognize like surely an idea must go into the head where maybe we're making these side quests too good because people are too busy chasing those and not chasing the main the main thing and maybe potentially never getting there because of how many amazing other things we've created on the side. So I'd be curious to see what sort of data they collect there and, and how they actually analyze that to work out yeah. what and how that they sweet can, spot is. Or maybe even how they manage to create a big, like that yeah. kind of massive games. So it's, it's, a, it's an art in and of itself. So uh, good luck to all those people that are creating those ridiculously large worlds. Um, on the flip side, if you could go back and replay any game, so you could strike the game from your memory, it never you never played it in your head, and get to experience it fresh, is there a game that you just wish you could have that first time playing it experience with all over again? Mm. And it could well be Fallout again, of course, like the you know, <laughs> walk, walking out of the vault and seeing the world and whatever the case happens to be, but is there is it Fallout? Is there something else that you just wish you could have that all over again? I don't know. <laughs> it, it's a, it can be a hard one. Yeah. Uh, maybe I was honestly going to be saying, like, maybe Age of Vampires again. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Yeah, because it's, like, such a drama that, like, I don't think people did it that much. Or maybe I just didn't really look into, like, what other games are there for that particular drama. Um, but, like, it's always feel fresh, like, when you go into... A new match basically for Age of Empires and and you just have to plan out all your strategies again and think about like what does these things does and what do you want to do with it yeah it's it's a it's a big toolbox that uh, they give you and yeah trying to work out how to yeah. How to upgrade the right things, how to assemble the right things, what you need to be looking out for on the map is there's a lot of complexities there so I can appreciate that fantastic choice yeah. <laughs> Well, um, as I've already kind of touched on, Daisy, thank you so much for coming on the show and uh, discussing this journey so far. Certainly looking forward to seeing what comes of your time through the SMART program and uh, your own works, obviously, that are already in development and what comes afterwards. Hopefully we chat again maybe in a few years with a few credits. I think that would be fantastic to talk again. But in the meantime, if people want to see more of what you're up to, obviously there's the game. Are there any other ways that people can to, can reach out and see what you're up to or the team? Uh... I don't really use social media that much. Um, yeah, so I don't think there's anything else. Maybe just my email? Not <laughs> I don't know. That's, that's not a problem, and those those details I can pop in the show notes if need be as well. Um, that's that's fantastic, and uh, certainly, I mean, you touched on social media. As the day we're recording, it's a bit of a hellscape out there when it comes to social media, so yeah. the, the more we keep the distance, probably the better. Um, <laughs> As I've said, though, thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing this journey so far. Really, really looking forward to seeing what comes of it. And, that concludes um, this entry again, of yes, Dev Diary so Next Gen. Be sure to subscribe to this feed, share it with your friends, give us a five-star review to help boost the show up the charts for greater exposure. If you have any people you'd like me to reach out to an interview, then please find me at Paul James Games on Twitter to help me get in touch with them. Until the next episode, however, that's been Daisy's story. Thank you very much for listening, and I'll see you next time.